Hello and welcome to the podcast. My name is Vince. And I'm Tom. And today we actually have a very special episode. Yes, we do. We have our good friend, Gabriel Quintana. So Gabe, do you want to introduce yourself to our guests? I'm Gabriel Quintana. I'm a software engineer with specialty in web development and a little bit of game development on the side. So Gabe, I want to ask right out of the gate, how did you get started in development? Were you starting off in game development, software development, kind of both? I started with game development. At the start, I was very intrigued with uh, how online games worked and like all the engineering side of things. One of the first few games I started playing were was heavy on hackers, and then I was very intrigued to see like how the reverse engineering side of things worked. And then after that, I just fell in love with uh, game development and started uh, my development career almost 12 years ago. On and off, though. So, Gabe, I'm just curious, before you got into game development, were you a big gamer? Like, did you play a lot of games and that kind of sparked your interest? Yeah, I played uh, a lot of games. My first console was the 64, and I pretty much had every single Nintendo console after that. Nice. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> we're both very big 64 fans as well, so I really appreciate that. Yeah, same. So what you're telling me, Gabe, is you were the one with wall hacks in my Counter-Strike games. <laughs> Not exactly. I was just more <laughs> interested in the value changing of things. My game of choice at the time uh, didn't wasn't that big on wall hack. It was more so on value changing. So their design was uh, client-sided, which made it very susceptible to hacking. So you could pretty much change anything and everything about the game itself, and it'll work. <laughs> Uh, biggest thing was just uh, changing your character mid-fight or just getting more health. <laughs> I never did uh, release anything, was just more so on, res- on the research side of things. But um, no, no wall hacks. That one was a bit more intricate than uh, I wanted to go. I think I played a few of those types of games before. <laughs> awesome. So what kind of led you into software development after having messed around with some game development and hacking games apparently as well it was mainly that um at first with game development that was the i had the clear initial goal of uh any game develop any good game developer of uh creating an mmorpg <laughs> <laughs> which uh kind of led me to a big rabbit hole because that's an awful first project for anything <laughs> surprisingly enough i did end up releasing it it's not the best it's not the worst it does work <laughs> Uh, thankfully, that project is deeply buried, so it can be found. Fa- uh, it can be found, <laughs> but uh, it was just a development which got me into backend, into backend development for games, and then after that, I went to make a website for my game, and I decided to learn how to make it myself, and then it spiraled out of control from there, and yeah. <laughs> nice. So, first, my first point is. I will find that game, even if you say it can't be found. Um, second point is you say that it was an awful first project for MMO. So why is that? Is it just because it's so massive? Like it's so it's such a big project or it's difficult? Yeah, it's just there's with MMORPGs, like my experience is very limited, but it's just more so on what I've learned from it is there's a lot of moving pieces because with a simple game, you just have to worry about like the one instance with MMORPGs or 
more so more correct of what it was an MORPG. There's you have to account for like a lot of characters. You have to account for rubber banding. You have to account for pretty much like player accounts, different locations. You also have to have a lot of NPCs sync up with throughout like hundreds of players and um, also enemy movement, which can be very tricky to get them to sync up in a way that uh, player A doesn't look that there's 20 uh, enemies near him and then player B looks that there's only two players, uh, two enemies near him, even though they're next to each other. So there's a lot of uh, little things you have to take into account and yeah, it's just a, a massive project that uh, while I don't regret starting doing it, it's it's a make it or break it for a lot of people. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I had a lot of friends that started uh, game development you know, so when the same route of uh, an MORPG, which just hated it and just left development in general because of it. Wow. So, yeah, it's no, if that... you can endure it, it's best. <laughs> that sounds crazy. I had no idea there was that much involved. It makes sense, though. But, I mean, in the end, I'm sure it was like a really good learning experience, right? Yeah, I learned a lot of things from it. Um, there's a lot of it that uh, even to this day I feel like pull from just because I had to learn so many things in a, such a short period of time just to like get it off the ground. If I had to make it again right now, I probably wouldn't be able to. It's been too long. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And that's really what it's all about, right, is kind of learning from these uh your failures right and just because maybe you didn't complete something or it was up to your standards that you set in place doesn't mean that it wasn't a success right like you said um you learned a lot from it it kind of led you down a whole other path and uh you know who knows maybe maybe one day you kind of look back on it and you maybe figure some things out who knows yeah and that's a thing anyone that says that uh, failures are bad, doesn't know anything. <laughs> because uh, from failures, as long as you allow yourself to do to see it, there's a lot you can learn from it. And successes, they're pretty boring. Because with failures, you get a lot of debugging experience. I agree with that 100%. Just on the topic of MMOs, Gabe, uh, was there ever one that you played? Like a big one? Like a, a more popular one? Um... So the one MMO that uh, I played, I don't know if it's very widely known, but uh, in South America it is relatively uh, popular. It was just called Last Chaos. It was a pr- very good game. Very paid to win, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, I never heard of that, Tom. Did you? I've never heard of that one, no. Yeah, my go-to back in the day was was an MMO called Ashron's Call. Probably anyone listening probably never heard of it, but I'm going to give it some exposure right now because it was good. It's not around anymore, unfortunately, but it was a lot of fun. Tom, did you ever go to MMO? When I was younger, my go-to was RuneScape. We would play it a lot in class, actually, uh, back in elementary school and a few times getting caught by the teacher and forcing us to close down the game when we're in the middle of PvP. That's never fun. But for me, I would say my kind of go-to uh, throughout the years would be World of Warcraft. For sure. Yeah, it's a popular one. So Gabe, what would you say are some key differences between game development and software development, specifically as a developer? 
So I would say one of the uh, biggest differences between game development and web development is the performance aspect of things. Because with game game development, you're always looking to squish that extra performance out of your out of your game. Just because no one really likes a laggy game. <laughs> with web development, as far as I've been able to tell, it's not really much of a thing. So simple things that you might do in game development, like um, let's say loops, where as soon as you do what you want, what you wanted to do with the loop, you just like break out of it. And web development, I don't see that to be too much of a thing. Another of the bigger things is uh, with game development, there's uh, so many different aspects uh, to pull from. So like you always have the um, the movement, you have the in- the engineering, you have physics, you have uh, a lot of math heavy operations, especially on uh, RPGs. Um, with web development, you can get away with uh, not knowing most of those things. That might just be oversimplifying it. <laughs> <laughs> That's very interesting. And you bring up a great point about the performance of things, right? Um, you know, I know firsthand as well from web development that, you know, you can you can really get away with writing sloppy code and with just how powerful uh you know somebody's computer is but also these browsers as well it almost doesn't matter of course there's always edge cases and stuff like that but you know we've all seen games that when they're not optimized are just terrible (laughs) so what you're saying is you can't slap an important tag on a game (laughs) sadly no (laughs) Another of the bigger differences with game development compared to um, web development, and this might not be the case in some aspects, but um, with game development, depending on which uh, target platform you're like aiming, there's very stringent rules of like um, what performance has to be and like which level. For example, if you want to release for PS4, you're very restricted to like these are the specs that it has to run very good on. But let's say on PC, you don't really have much of a guideline, just because PCs are, a lot of them are just custom built, like they can be budget or high performance. There's a lot of like variables you have to account with that tie into performance, as well as operating system. With web development, you, it's mostly, um, at least from what I found, it's, it's mostly standard. Uh, and what that what I mean by that is just you can always count on JavaScript being there, and uh, while some functionality may not be may not be there, you can always uh, and with JavaScript, uh, although different browsers support different versions, it's mostly the same. You don't have to worry about it too much unless you're talking about a uh, Internet Explorer. In that case, may God save you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's a great point. One thing with with web development you always have to well maybe not always but you usually have to worry about kind of those older browsers making sure things work so you end up adding more and more code and what we call polyfills to make things backwards compatible and you know it it can be pretty annoying at times with games it kind of sounds like you don't really have that problem is that fair to say 
Uh, I would say yes and no. Where you can see the more the the key differences would be on mobile game development, because if you try to make a game for, let's say, Android five compared to like the latest Android, the libraries that they offer and like all the functionality they offer is very very different. Um, I haven't done Android development in a while, but uh, just as an example, before you were able to like get away with your game running in the background without much issue. Nowadays, if I'm not mistaken, you have to get like special permission to do so just because of the whole battery saving and uh, privacy things. Interesting. So it's kind of, it's got its own challenge, right? Yeah, there's uh, a lot of things to account for. And um, also with games, let's say you want to release the your new game for PC, Android, iPhone, and PS4. That brings like a very unique challenge just because at least with web development, you just make it the one time, release it, and then most browsers will be able to run it without much issue. With game development, you usually run into the issue of uh, performance, but also compatibility. Some aspects that might be available on PC might not be available on, on mobile or on consoles. So there's a lot of uh, cases you have to like take into consideration, unless you're using an engine such as Unity, which takes care of uh, most of the most of those problems, which most of the like popular engines do take care of uh, all that hard work, so you don't have to worry too much about it. So that can usually cause a bit of performance instead of just making it on. Uh, so that usually comes at a trade-off that uh, you experience the convenience of being able to export to all of those consoles or target platforms, as they call them. You lose a little bit of performance compared to writing it on the device's native language. So from what I've seen in the, in the past couple of years, that's been getting less and less of a problem, which is pretty interesting. So a lot of barriers are starting to come down, it seems. Interesting. It makes sense, though. Yeah, and uh, touching back on the MORPG games, another big thing with uh, games and like target platforms is, at least if you pay case, like uh, when I tried to make an MMORPG or regularly MORPG, each target platform used to have their own networking library that you have to that you had to use to use their services, which could be a very big pain in the ass because then you couldn't have uh, all your players uh, play together regardless of the, of the platform you they were on. Um, and even so, there are some platforms that didn't allow their, let's say, user base play with any other user base on other platforms. Lately, that's been solved with uh, a lot of um, libraries that take care of the whole networking, just write it the one way and they adapted depending on the console that you select. Now that we know a little bit about game development versus software development, what's it like working in a team environment? Again, games versus software. Are there similarities there? Big differences? Um, I guess it really depends on the... And this 
can also be applied to web dev, but um, it really depends if you're going like indie or if you're working for a AAA studio. For example, on the indie scene, and uh, I'm pulling from experience from uh, college where uh, I had to make a game with, uh, with a couple friends. There's a lot of um, back and forth that has to happen. It really depends on what kind of team you're talking about just because at least in game development, there's a, there's a clear split between uh, AAA games and indie games. Just because usually on in an indie studio, you're more of a, like you have, you wear a lot of hats. And what I mean by that is just that um, one day you might be working on movement and then the next day you might be pulled to like 3D model. It's just that um, you have to be quick on your feet. Not to say that every indie game studio is like that, just more so pulling from what I've heard and what I've seen in the in the game industry. As to with uh, AAA studio, you're they cannot just say, "Hey, you're uh, you're only going to work on movement. That's your job. You're not going to touch anything else." But yeah, it's heavily influential if it's just indie or AAA, which um, all of my game dev experience is just on the indie side. Just uh, either me making my own games or making them with uh, a couple friends for school projects or things like that. I would say the biggest difference is just with um, game development, at least from how I learned it. There's a lot of uh, setup that has to happen like beforehand, because um, a good example is just you can have like your mo uh, movement system like perfectly running, and then you get a a new asset from uh, an artist, and then your movement script is not working at all. <laughs> There's just a lot of um, dimensions you have to keep in mind. So in like games, there's a lot of like white boxing happening, and then each asset has to like follow those those set of rules. As opposed to web development, it doesn't really matter that much. It won't break it as bad as it would break it on games. Not to say that uh, on web development you don't need anything to start making a website, but it's just a bit more forgiving in my experience. Right. I think one thing that comes to mind to to build off your idea is you mentioned how in game development, an artist could give you something new and now your script doesn't work. That character doesn't move, for example, or, uh, you know, it's just broken completely uh, to the point where it, I guess, in theory, could be unplayable versus say web development when the designer gives you a new image to place in there the site's still going to run right and things might be a little broken in terms of styles but it's just going to still output and everything else should in theory be fine right yeah and um another of the bigger things which just reminds me of my college days with um, game development was um, when an artist exports an asset for game development, it's a lot different than uh, just web, develop web development. Because in game development, if they export a, a character and they use, let's say, the set axis as the up one, but then they export it as the x axis is the up on the, ne the next model, that'll completely break your game. It is fixable by them just like adjusting which axis is up. But it's just always funny to watch uh, 
when your game completely breaks you don't know why especially the animations <laughs> i'm sure it's frustrating but there has to be some moments where you just kind of sit back and laugh when things break i'm sure oh yeah it's, it's the best honestly like um it just brightens your day um for the most part it's always a good laugh when things like that happen and there's a lot of clips that went around when uh, our games broke <laughs> That's good to hear, because really, uh, you gotta you gotta enjoy what you're doing. Development of any kind can be super stressful, so it's it's important to kind of just sit back and laugh. You know, we're humans; we make mistakes. Sometimes we might not even know how to implement something, so we take a shot in the dark. And uh, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, I think one of my highlights. Uh that kind of uh, built on that one, is um, this video that I watched, um, I can't recall how many years ago, but it was a while ago. I saw a video of Notch um, just making exploding arrows on Minecraft and like how easy he made it, and it's just hilarious. Because, at least for myself, there's just something fun about completely breaking your game, just changing functionality, like on a flip of a switch it's pretty fun stuff <laughs> and i'm sure there's got to be some aspect in there you get to learn of scenarios that could create game breaking bugs as well right yeah there's um a lot of scenarios that uh you change your code a little bit and um with games um like the objects having so many scripts that uh, they might affect each other in separate ways. It's um, always fun for <laughs> to leave it at that sometimes when the game just breaks and you don't know what happened. <laughs> awesome. So Gabe, what kinds of things do you do to stay up to date as a developer, again, for software or games? I imagine side projects are a pretty big thing yeah uh keeping up up to date with um software development can can prove very difficult just because it's ever growing there's always going to be new standards there's going to be new ways of doing things new features new limitations there's so many things to take into account it's very difficult at times, but yeah, as you mentioned, one of the, the biggest things that I do to keep up to date is just side projects. Some of them see the light up day, some of them don't, but just uh, using it as a way to explore new technologies and just uh, take different approaches compared to what you would currently use for that scenario, just for the sake of um, keeping an open mind. Yeah, that makes sense. Now. With web development, it's very, very easy to get your side project up and running, uh, whether it be, you know, you use some kind of CLI to generate your project or, you know, you just simply create index.html and away you go. You start seeing the result. Um, what does it look like for game development? Because I can only imagine that there's a lot more setup to get it up and running. Yeah, that and that's like a tricky one because it really depends uh, what your end goal is. 
because let's say you want to build every system from the ground up, then you usually have to start like building every single little thing. Uh, and that sometimes can take hours of work until uh, you set the result. Um, or you, you can use just uh, pre-built templates. Um, for example, I know that on Unity there's a lot of templates that, uh, let's say you want to build uh, an FPS, you can just download a template and your project is pretty much done. Only thing you would have to do is just uh, add any customizations you want and change values up. But um, it really depends what your end goal is. That's fair. You know, we we see that in development as well, where you can kind of download or use these frameworks, oftentimes that come with a lot of the bells and whistles right out of the box. And it's just a matter of either building on top or or tweaking things. You know, you kind of mentioned about building things yourself right and one thing i have heard a lot is how game developers often start or maybe early in their career building their own engines and i'm kind of curious if you have any insight into that is it just a learning thing to figure out kind of how engines work in general yeah, that's a good question because um, I would say it heavily depends on the individual because that is something that uh, one of my earlier projects, once I did start uh, seeing development as a career, is I tried to make my own IDE and my own engine. <laughs> and uh, that's more so just to see like what's happening behind the scene because you can also see the same thing on web development, but um, Let's say if you were to use um, an engine such as Unity, there's a lot of things that happen behind the scenes that um, a lot of the developers are aware and some are not aware of. Like for example, all the graphics programming that has to happen behind the scenes. And um, it is one of the things I did uh, at college, just um, trying to make a chess piece out of um, with uh, graphics programming. It requires a lot of setup and just trying to like autom um sorry and just trying to make all the all the graphic side of things uh render out. It's very interesting to see how all of it works because it does have a lot of set rules you have to follow. But um I would just say it's more of uh to see what's happening behind the scenes. Although chances of you using it in the future are like probably very slim unless you are very serious of making your engine. But um, it's just more to see what's happening behind the scenes just to um, have a better understanding when it comes to debugging that issue. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So I have to ask, if you're ever to get back into game development full-time, what would be the game that you want to make? If you had all the time in the world, what would you make? <laughs> and uh, it's funny that you ask that because for the past, um, I would say probably three years, there's this one game that I've always wanted to do. And uh, each time, which is a big fault for a lot of uh, <laughs> game developers, more so on the starting end of uh, things, 
is uh, you always end up rebuilding the same game you want to make or like your dream game, quote unquote. For myself, it's um, an RPG. Those have always been my passion and they're very, very fun to make, especially because I enjoy the engineering side of things. And with RPGs, you have so many systems you have to build. Cool. That's awesome. I'm always a, a sucker for a good RPG. Do yeah. you have a, a favorite one that you've played in the past, Gabe? RPG? Yeah. Um, mm, that's a good one. <laughs> I know uh, you mentioned that you've always had like Nintendo consoles. Do you ever played Earthbound? No, I've never played uh, Earthbound. I hear good things. I never played it either. <laughs> <laughs> it took a shot in the dark. It didn't work out. That's right. <laughs> I respect it. <laughs> All right, so we can expect Gabe's RPG 2022, maybe 2023. <laughs> uh, I highly doubt that one, that one, but uh, thanks for the vote of confidence. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, thanks for joining us, Gabe, and I will keep an eye out for that RPG. And I'm going to look for the one that you made saying that it can't be found. Honestly, if you can find it, um, <laughs> I'd be very surprised because the forum that uh, it got released on, that forum got completely shot down. Oh. <laughs> well, that's going to make it a challenge. But uh, yeah, maybe we'll have you on again in the future. But uh, yeah, again, thank you for joining us. Tune in next time for the next episode of the podcast. I'm Vince. And I'm Tom. We'll see you next time. Bye.